Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Tom Margam, who is a GP and clinical director at Equip, which is enabling quality improvement in practice at Tara Hamlet's clinical commissioning group. We talked about the paper that's just been published in the BJGP, reducing missed appointments in general practice, evaluation of a quality improvement program in East London. Now, obviously, missed appointments in general practice can reduce clinical capacity and waste money. But most research on reducing DNAs have focused on changing patient behaviour to optimise the existing appointment system. I started by asking Tom to tell us a little bit more about the problem of people not attending appointments in general practice. So uh, non-attendance for appointments, so DNAs, is, is something that's experienced across all healthcare settings, but it's a particular issue in primary care. Um, the, the the implications are that it's it's disruptive for clinicians during the day. It's a it's a redu- it reduces overall clinical capacity, um, and by doing so, drives or increases inequity of access to healthcare. It uh, is a it's, it represents a waste of a resource, and and depending on where you look, it costs the, the NHS millions of pounds each year. So the NHS England um, say that it costs uh, uh, that um, DNAs cost the NHS two hundred sixteen million pounds annually so it's a really significant issue um, and I think experienced by every every practice but the I think how different people feel about DNAs is a is is really interesting and um, I'll maybe come on to that in a minute yeah so there's an interesting almost philosophical point here and not, yeah. not quite philosophical but we should you know, are you know the, and we should maybe tackle it first so you do mention it in the paper uh, you mentioned the money there but are, some people would argue that DNAs aren't a problem you know some yeah. GPs are so busy you know actually one or two people not turning up in the course of a day it's not like they're sitting around doing the crossword in that period of time they're they're still very busy people and in fact it adds breathing space that otherwise wouldn't be there yeah so I would sort of turn that around its head and say that if you need that, if you need that to happen, then you've got a problem with the way that you're setting up your day. So if you're relying on people not showing up, then that's not a great indicator of how well your your, system, your appointment system is working for you. And also, I think w- what we would see through this this project, really, the headline for us is to say that that, that DNAs are a predictable outcome of appointment systems. So you can look at lots of places. So a really great example of where DNAs are not a problem is A and E. So they don't have an issue with people not turning up because they don't have an appointment system. So to have to not turn up to the point, but you've got to have an appointment system. So back in the 80s, general practice, uh, having appointment systems was a was a niche area of general practice. And you, back in the day, you turn up and queue and be seen or not seen on that on that particular day. So DNAs became more of an issue in, in primary care with the advent of appointment systems. So through the 80s the majority of practices move from not having appointment systems to having appointment systems. Um, so, but in terms of how it feels to be at the receiving end of that, if you, it, it's a, it really, one of the things we observe from colleagues is depends when the DNAs are happening. So if your first four appointments of the day are DNAs, then fine, you could probably get on with some other work, but actually it's hugely disruptive for the rest of your day. If it happens maybe towards the end of a surgery, you're, you're playing catch up, might be the time where you take a comfort break or attend to some other stuff but we, we've been trying trying to be quite careful in in this uh um paper not to think of it as as waste because because most people are doing stuff in the time when someone doesn't turn up but for, for us it's more that actually if, if you need if you need people to not turn up to be able to work effectively then you've got a problem yeah um and and what we're trying to say is that what that links to is actually people's motivation for fixing 
DNA is, is, is actually sometimes a bit ambivalent mm. because if you see it as a, as a pressure relief or you see it as a, a blessed relief, then that's, it's very hard to kind of want to take that away. But when you look at it at a system level, it really has a, a really significant impact on your capacity. So a lot of the practices in our study were essentially a, a session or session and a half and a half of, of GP time in their practice a week was DNA time. So six hours, seven hours, eight hours of, of, of their time was spent not people not turning up. And that to us just, you know, says you've got you've got a, it, nobody can afford to give away that much capacity. You know, if you still have a queue of people trying to get seen, then you can't afford to be losing a, a session, a session and a half of GP time a week through through people not turning up. And also that work doesn't tend to go away. So if somebody DNAs, that the problem often doesn't go away. So those people either represent at a later time or a less convenient time. They may deteriorate. And I think it, we also need to be really cognizant of the fact that DNAs are not just around, you know, people just not bothering to turn up. There are, there are potentially sort of issues around vulnerability, safeguarding, all of that kind of stuff that you need to consider. Yeah. But essentially what, what we're trying to get to, and I think through, through this paper, is to start to think of these things as an inevitable outcome of, of the system that you're using to manage your access. So um, one of the phrases that's used in improvement science a lot is that every system is perfectly designed to give you the outcomes that it does. And what we found through looking at large numbers of appointment data across multiple different uh, GP providers is that these systems really did reliably produce DNAs. And when you looked at practices that did had much lower um, uh, uh, rates of DNA, uh, for GP appointments, they were usually the ones operating different systems. Uh, so, so we looked at di- different, you know, practice size. I mean, in in our study, the population is fairly homogeneous, so it's a deprived inner city um, uh, population. Um, but but we found it wasn't really patient factors driving the DNAs, and nor was it to do with list size. You know, we have huge, we have large variation in large practices and small practices in rates of DNA. Um, but it did seem to be a marker of the health of access. So practices that objectively and subjectively provided more responsive access tended to have lower rates of dna just just to observe the data before we even did any interventions tell us a little bit more about what your your interventions were then in your study tom so uh, we we, uh, run a program called uh, equip which is enabling quality improvement in practice so uh, equip is uh, we we work principally with uh, uh, teams in general practice and uh, we do quality improvement training. We do coaching, so pro- coaching uh, people through uh, change projects using a, an improvement methodology. And then we uh, we essentially kick things off with a practice. They're, they're invited to join the program, so it's entirely voluntary. And then we start off the process by doing something called a data wall, where we do a 360-degree view of the practice. So what it's like to work there, what it's like to be a patient. We look at the processes of care. We look at some of the patterns in terms of uh, you know, the different bits of activity, appointments, prescriptions, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we look at the team purpose. So we do quite a lot of work trying to connect the purpose of the team with the work that they're actually doing. So that's the intervention that everybody gets. Um, and then the then practices essentially identify their themes for improvement work from uh, that, that data wall intervention. And in our in our study, uh, fourteen of the twenty five practices chose to do something around DNAs. Yeah, so they a, a lot of practices and a big program, of course, quality improvement. What did those practices choose to do? Almost exclusively, they chose to remind people, coerce them, and 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 sort of nu- we call them nudge nudge people to try and do the right thing. And, and I think that that's borne out in some of the literature that we've we looked at is that people. It, 
the the psychology in primary care is that this is a patient problem and it's because people are uh, don't value the appointment. There's a sort of sense that it's very much a feature of the patients using the service. And I've run a number of training sessions with practices around DNAs. And I think the, the evolution of my thinking was actually just viewing it in isolation is, is to miss the point entirely because that does then move people towards choosing behavioral interventions but those have a cost like so sending text messages uh, or, or bringing people up to remind them that people who are at high risk of not showing up that has an opportunity cost for you as a practice um, and w- what we found consistently across uh, our, our studies that those had a, a limited and often very time limited effect on on dna rates the one practice that chose to make a system change was was facing a period of crisis in terms of personnel and, and capacity and just w- essentially needed to make a system change. And we had, we had shown all of the practices in the, in, uh, who'd participated in the study the very visual data, and perhaps I can share that graph later, but it's the visual data that just describes that 75% of DNAs in the system we were looking at happen when there's been more than one day between booking and appointment time. And, it, and that was consistent across the board in the practices that we looked at. Um, but showing people that was not enough to steer them towards changing the appointment system. It required something else, some sort of crisis to, uh, to, to make that shift. And I think partly that's because a lot of practices, people working practices, bear quite deep scars from changing their appointment system in the past. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the principal work we do, general practices, is providing reactive access and there's been a lot of failed attempts at trying to fix that problem and people, and it's a big driver of stress. It's a big driver of burnout, all those kind of things. So it's, it's something that's held very, very deeply. And there's lots of, um, people, there's a real narrative in general practice about things that have been tried before that were seen to work or didn't work. And so people were reluctant to change the system, much more, uh, keen on, on cajoling, reminding or, or um, enforcing policies on what would people who are considered repeat offenders. Yeah, so certainly your service evaluation here strongly suggested all that behavioural stuff, minimal to no impact. But that 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 case study, particularly where they changed the um, appointment system, that made a huge difference. And perhaps that um, is one of the key things that you found that really it's not about the people; it's about the system. It's absolutely about the system. And I think what we've seen now through. Um, through COVID is just having run the data, continue to look at the DNA data and what we hear from practices across the system is with, with the massive movement in general practice towards uh, remote consultations and triage models is that DNAs now appear to be much less of an issue in, in, pri- in primary care. So we're routinely seeing DNA rates of, uh, or DNA percentages of, the, of one or 2% now, where in, in Tower Hamlets they were previously running at, uh, well, before our study, it's 7% then, during the course of our study, down to about 5% as a system. That's dropped radically because people changed the system. But, but what precipitated the change of the system was a crisis. So one of the things that we should acknowledge is that perhaps it isn't going to necessarily be entirely popular with the patient. And that's maybe something we need to consider as well, though. A system where patients can only book 24 hours in advance can work very nicely. But there can be there can be some limitations to it. Yeah, and I, and I think this is all where it becomes more of a... a, a a situation where you want to be having very open dialogue with the people using your services so all appointment systems are a trade-off a trade-off between convenience and speed of access continuity and speed of access all of these all of these things but actually the more we're in a position where we're co-creating that with people trying to use our services the more likely you are to get a, a system that works for both people operating it and the people trying to use it 
Yeah. So, Tom, just if you can, I know there was a lot going on here. Try and summarise your paper in just a, a few brief words. So I'd say that from where um, I think that DNA is a primarily an appointment system problem rather than a patient problem. Um, and I, and our study, we found that the main driver for people not turning up for appointments was the length of time in advance that they were booked. So the longer the time, the more likely our people are to, uh, to miss the appointment. So addressing DNAs in isolation is, is, is to miss the point. To really do something meaningful to reduce DNAs, you need to change the system, not the patient. Tom, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.